0: Well, last week we had the great privilege and honor of having Father Lee come up and deliver a sermon to us. And as you all know, there are a lot of memorable things about Father Lee. But the thing that I carried with me about Father Lee's sermon last week was this image. For those of you who weren't there who would like to have a reminder, he talked about meeting with his seminary classmates on the lawn in Central Park, and they were... Celebrating As a seminary student myself This is probably post finals. They were celebrating And raising their glasses Toast to their professors So to professor so-and-so For without him We wouldn't know how to preach And to professor so-and-so For without her We wouldn't know about the Bible And then a woman stands up In the group and says To Jesus of Nazareth For without him None of us ...would ever have met each other. It was an image of freedom. An image of blessing that overflowed from these students. And it's an image that couldn't have happened... ...without each and every one of them being in relationship with the living God. So here we all are today, gathered here because of Jesus Christ... Invited to enter into relationship with this God. So where are you with your relationship? What's your place in the barometer in your relationship with Jesus? Okay, so let's talk about relationship. What's required for a relationship? Well, first, there has to be something required of us, right? So what is required of us in a relationship with God? And then there's a give and take, too. So what can we expect in return from Jesus Christ? Well, let's start with what's required of us. So this past few years, I can't think of a more humorous and insightful book than a book called A Year of Living Biblically by A.J. Jacobs. He's an editor of Esquire magazine, and A.J. set out to been a year living according to the very law of the Bible, literally. He went through page by page the Old and New Testament and discovered over 700 laws that filled 72 pages. And he set out to fulfill every single one of those laws. <clears throat> so AJ is also out in Central Park one day. Imagine several years later, the same place Father Lee was toasting to Jesus of Nazareth a man robed in fine, pure linen, because according to the law of the Bible, you can't mix fibers. You can go check your tags. <laughs> <laughs> and his beard is crawling down his chest and up his cheek, because according to the law of the Bible, you're not supposed to trim the corners of your beard, men. And to top it all off, he carried a staff. And so there he is, out in the middle of Central Park, looking pretty conspicuous. And people are walking by and probably kind of looking at him funny. You've probably seen people out by the beach, looking kind of conspicuous. And this guy was about as conspicuous as it got. And an elderly man walked by, kind of disgusted, (coughs) and approached AJ and said, what in the world are you doing? Why are you dressed like that? And A.J. says, well, sir, I'm attempting to follow every single law of the Bible. And so this is the kind of dress that I would wear. Every law? Even the one about stoning adulterers? Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, even that one about stoning adulterers. Well, I'm an adulterer, so you're gonna stone me? (laughs) AJ sees his opportunity, reaches into his pocket, and pulls out a handful of small, round pebbles. The man looks at AJ and the pebbles, grasps them out of his hand, and tosses them right in his face. AJ looks at the pebbles on the ground, one up and thinks, well, an eye nice for an eye, right? <laughs> <laughs> and in that way, A.J. stone an adulterer. <laughs> You're probably starting to get the sense that the readers of this book got that sometimes following every single law, literally, of the Bible can be challenging, if not kind of absurd-seeming. The prophet Micah was dealing with this in our scripture today. The people were saying, Micah, what does God require of us? What does God require of us? I mean, we are pouring out rivers of oil on behalf of this God. We're even willing to give our firstborn for our transgressions. What do you want? And Micah answers on behalf of God. What does God require of you? but to do justice love kindness to walk humbly with your God it had to have been somewhat of a relief to those ancient Israelites facing those hundreds of laws to hear it so simply put but what about us 21st century Christians most of whom I am venture to guess, none of us are following every single law in the Bible. Not even most fundamentalist Christians are doing that. So what does God require of us? I think we could look to love God, love your neighbor as yourself, as a summary of what all of that law is about. So okay, we've got that down. Now, what about the other end of thing? What can we expect in return? What can we expect in return? How do we receive blessings from this God? Because that's what relationship's all about, right? With Jesus Christ receiving blessings. Well, when I was thinking about how do we receive blessings from God, I went all the way back to when I was a little girl at First Presbyterian Church, it was about her age. And my mom dressed me and my sister in matching dresses almost every week. And my dad wore his suit jacket and his tie. And I remember being at church amongst all these other cute girls in their matching dresses and their dads in their ties and thinking, well, maybe the most blessed person is the best dressed. (laughs) (laughs) And then off we went to Children's Church, much like the kids go to Word of God here at St. Wilfred's. And that day, this one I remember is, the teacher said, today you're going to learn how to pray. I thought, okay, today I'm gonna figure out how I receive God's blessings. So we were in Children's Church, in the pews that were lined up in this small chapel, and the teacher said, okay, stop wiggling. Put your feet flat on the floor, if they reach. And put your hands in your lap, bow your head, close your eyes. And now you are ready to pray to Almighty God. I don't remember the the prayer we prayed, but I remember the prayer posture. Perhaps if I got that right, I'd be blessed. (laughs) So what's required to be blessed? I remember clearly surviving my early years the cute dresses and making it to middle school and doing my best them to survive that. I was what some might say a typical young teenage girl. I was emotional, self-conscious, very concerned about what the boys thought of me. And I was trying to make sense of the fact that I wasn't a kid anymore, but I was far cry from being an adult. Those cute dresses my mom had picked out for me well she was still picking them out and they weren't so cute anymore. (laughs) They didn't fit quite the same anymore. And the people I encountered at church, school, youth group, they weren't so nice anymore. And I really wasn't all that happy anymore. And those... Prayers, those perfectly postured prayers I'd learned to offer to God. I didn't feel like they were being blessed anymore. Maybe they weren't even being heard. So it was from this place that I entered into the summer of my, before my eighth grade year. My mom was driving me out in the middle of nowhere to this place called Camp Challenge. It was your typical summer camp. I remember desperately wanting the 16-year-old counselors in my cabin who seemed so much older and wiser than I was, I just wanted them to like me. I remember that the girls were up the hill from the camp and the boys were down the hill and there was that magical meeting place in the middle where we (laughs) spent our free time. I brought with me to that camp all of my typical teenage baggage. And when I think back on it now as an adult, it wasn't just teenage baggage, it was human baggage. I went there feeling insecure, unhappy, not really sure quite where I fit. I'd say a good way to describe it is poverty of spirit. I remember during one of those wonderful times that we got to spend in the middle. I met a boy my age, and we spent some time getting to know one another, and we got along really well because he was basically pretty unhappy too. Misery loves company. (laughs) And about halfway through the week, I figured out the source of his unhappiness. His mom had died. And then later on that day, I found myself walking over to the chapel where we met every evening. I don't know if I was going there to pray or to find someone else to talk to, or what, but I remember what I encountered when I walked into the chapel, my youth minister. He was alone in a corner, this guy that was always happy, always on his game. He had music blaring over the PA system and his eyes were closed, and he started to sing. He started to sing this song about just wanting to do what was right in the eyes of God. I still remember the chorus to that song, Oh God, though I have wandered so far, you know that I am still a man after your own heart. I think that summer after my 7th grade year was the first time I'd ever not only encountered, but accepted brokenness, both within myself and around me. That last night of camp, we all gathered around in that same chapel, and there was a man who was scheduled to speak last, and I hadn't heard the guy speak all week. The best word to describe this man was meek. So I thought, what in the world does he have to say about God? Is he gonna deliver something power-packed? I can't imagine. He stood up. He told us that for his 40 plus years of life, he'd always struggled with a stuttering problem. He never felt like he was accepted until he found freedom just to be himself. Until he found freedom just to receive God's grace in his life. He didn't stutter once. That's when I figured out what it takes, what is required to be blessed. It's just bringing yourself. Just as you are before God, laying it down, emptying it out, and making room for God to fill you up. That's what's at the heart of the Beatitudes this morning. That's what it's all about, is freedom. Freedom that we have to bring ourselves to be blessed. Freedom from despair. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Freedom from grief. Blessed are those who mourn. Freedom from want. Blessed are the weak. Freedom from injustice. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. And it's not just freedom from, it's freedom for. It's freedom for healing. Blessed are the merciful. Freedom for integrity. Blessed are the pure in heart. Freedom for peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Freedom for faithfulness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus wants you, just as you are, in your brokenness, In your purity of heart, in your mercy, in your mourning, in your struggling, in your hunger. Jesus wants you. But are you free to be taken? Every week at this table, we celebrate the feast that Jesus himself instituted for us in the Holy Eucharist. At that feast, Jesus took bread, broke it, blessed it, and gave it his life, his all for us. If we're going to be free to be blessed by God, then we need to be paying close attention to these actions in the Eucharist. It's not just about these outward, invisible signs. It's about something that's going on inside of you. Something that can transform you. But you have to be free. So are you free? Are you free to be taken? Are you free to be broken? To acknowledge your own brokenness? Are you free to be blessed? And are you free to be given away? Yes, God wants us to seek justice and love kindness and walk humbly beside him all the days of our life. But if we're going to do that, we have to be willing to bring the gift of ourselves, not only up here to this altar to receive these outward and visible signs, but to be free to bring ourselves to all of life. Blessing is a simple gift for which you simply have to be available. So are you free? (laughs) Amen.